Berkeley Yeast, creators of the bioengineered yeast Tropics, which makes beer with insanely potent passion fruit and guava notes. I actually brewed with Tropics after we talked about it on episode 188, and the next day the brewery smelled like a guava orchard. Now, Berkeley Yeast just released Thiol Boost, which is a liquid thiol precursor that will take it to another level. Mention this podcast to get 15% off your next order. This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Let's go! 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 Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Discover more ways to enhance flavor and maximize beer yields with Salvo. Now available in varieties like Sultana, Trident, Lotus, Calypso, Cascade, and many more. Discover how Salvo can help boost your brew at hopsteiner.com. Sponsored by Fermentus. Whether you want a crisp, sweet, or fruity cider, discover the Saf Cider range. Every Saf Cider strain is certified ETU, so you can choose to pitch directly into the wort or proceed to rehydration. It makes no difference. It's up to you. We guarantee the same results. For the latest on their exciting new product releases and to learn how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation, visit Fermentus.com. Additional support provided by... Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to GusmerBeer.com. And every single person in the emergency room at this point, all the doctors, all the nurses, they just stop and it was quiet. And they're like, you don't know how lucky you are to be alive right now. This week on the show, electrical safety in the brewery. We'll hear about an accident you're going to want to make sure you're protected against. But first, here's a brief message from the Master Brewers Safety Committee. Hi, I'm Brian Godfrey with Devil's Backbone Brewing Company and part of the MBAA Safety Committee. So um, one of the things that um, we often overlook in uh, brewing is, is electrical safety, um, and OSHA citations at breweries have more than doubled um, between 2010 and 2015, uh, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, you know, increasing the number of non-fatal injuries and illnesses uh, about 57% since 2010. So, um, and when OSHA goes in sometimes and they're, and they're doing their audits, what we've seen is, is an increase in violations uh, specifically around uh, electrical safety and lockout tagout violations, um, you know, because brewers are always uh, having to shut down fermentation tanks or mash tons, kettles, bottling lines, those kinds of things. And uh, failure to follow lockout tagout practices and procedures, uh, safeguarding employees from um, that startup of equipment or that uh, energy source uh, could lead to uh, injuries and during audit processes lead to violations with OSHA. Dave, you experienced a life-changing electrical accident on the job. What were you working on in the brewery when it happened? Yeah, I did. I was um, 
I was just, uh, I had just finished working on tank. I had, I guess I had racked beer out of a fermenter and, uh, I was setting up my teeth to get ready for the next day's brew. And basically what had happened was there's three tanks right in a row, right next to each other. And the bright tank at the very right hand side, uh, the solenoid valve, the ground on it had went out and electrified the tank. Now, obviously that's not something we necessarily think about being in, in the brewery and, uh, nothing I had ever thought of. And, uh, I, I didn't touch that tank throughout the day, but that tank and the fermenter next to it were pretty much right next to each other with an inch or so to spare. And the current had, uh, arced itself over to the fermenter. So I'd been working on that fermenter all day. I'm wearing the proper PPE, you know, rubber boots, rubber gloves, and nothing had happened all day long. But when I leaned down to put my tea together to the fermenter that was next to that one, and I touched both those tanks at the same time, that's when the current went through me. Wow. What did that feel like? Uh, It was pretty intense. Um, I was squatted down and it, it entered on my uh, my right shoulder and came out my left elbow, so right across my torso, my head. And I just remember squatting down, um, seeing you know you know when you plug a, 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 a something into a socket, you see a flashing blue light sometimes. Well, that's what I saw from my eyes, from my right hand side to my left hand side. I saw a flashing blue light crossing me. I felt both my body spasming. My left shoulder was going in and out of socket. Um, the doctors and everyone thought it, it was about a, a second or two, probably. Um, so I felt that, and I remember, like, like I said, I was squatting down, and all my weight was on my right calf. And while it was on my right calf, I just I felt like incredible pain there. But I I I, I don't know if I could get myself off the current or, or or what that. I just remember feeling a little helpless for a couple seconds. Yeah. Did, so did someone else in the brewery have to intervene, or were you able to get to safety on your own? Um, I got safety on my own. I was the only one in the brewery itself. There were people on the restaurant side, uh, but I was the only one there. And like I said, I don't know if I threw myself off or if the current threw me off. It was a 110 line, AC line. Um, we don't know how many amps we're going through or anything like that, but I just remember being in a pool of water about five feet behind me, uh, thinking, oh man, I'm going to be drenched. I need to stand up. And I stood up and loud humming noise through, through my ears. That's all I could hear was a loud humming noise. I was sweating profusely. Um, and I walked over, there was a glass of water on my like quote unquote desk. And I grabbed the chug that and the humming started going away. Um, the sweating started stopping and uh, one of the front of the house managers was walking through and she goes, Hey, you okay? And I said, well, I, I think I just got electrocuted. She's like, what? So we start chatting and I went to scratch my left arm cause I had an itch and I lifted up my shirt and my bicep was the size of like a grapefruit. Basically it had snapped off. Um, the current going through just snapped it right off the shoulder. Uh, she goes, Oh my, Oh my, we got to take you to the hospital. And at that point we went to the hospital. Wow. I imagine you were, you know, pretty confused and disoriented. What was going through your head? Did you, did you understand right away what had happened? Uh, I knew I got zapped. I, I, I knew that was happening. Like I said, when it was happening for the one or two seconds, I just felt helpless. And I just, I, I just knew there's nothing I could do um, that I could think of. Um, yeah, I was a little disoriented and I got up and like I said, I, I felt okay uh, but like I said, we, when we looked down at my bicep, the size of a grapefruit, and we went to the hospital, and I, I didn't think anything of it. And we walk into the, the, the first one, and um, I, I tell them my, my name, what had happened. Um, I think I got electrocuted. I sit down, and within 30 seconds, they're ushering me to the back, hooking me up to all kinds of devices. Um, 
they decided to transfer me to a uh, trauma unit at a hospital across town that had in it for, uh, they wanted to treat me for internal burns. Um, and while they were doing that, I had, I had some family in the area, some friends, and they came down uh, to be with me. So I'm laying on this gurney as they're about to put me in an ambulance now to transport me to the other one. And I'm hooked up to something uh, that looked like a, a battery with all these devices connected to me, uh, like a car battery. And uh, so they put the CD on me and we start joking around like, oh, what's that? Like a soundtrack with like songs like Electric Boogaloo, whatever, because I'm a pretty lighthearted guy. So I'm <laughs> trying to make the best of it. Yeah. And, uh, and every single person in the emergency room at this point, all the doctors, all the nurses, they just stop and it was quiet. And I felt pretty awkward. And they're like, you don't know how lucky you are to be alive right now. And I'm like, okay. And I guess that's when it hit me, how, how much of a uh, <laughs> situation it was. Coming up. Um, something else that we're starting to see a lot mentioned through OSHA is called arc flash assessments and infrared studies. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Sponsored by BSG, distributors of Gambrina Malting, Canada's original small batch artisanal malt house. Located in Armstrong, BC, Gambrina Malting combines European-influenced malting practices with the finest barley, wheat, and rye to produce some of the finest Canadian malts available. Visit bsgcraftbrewing.com backslash Gambrinus to explore their full line of traditionally crafted malts and infuse your next brew with the character of the Okanagan Valley and Monashi Range. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Positively impact your process, product, and profitability with actionable insights from BrewIQ, the industry-leading real-time fermentation monitoring solution. Visit www.precisionfermentation.com backslash MBAA to start saving time and money today. Are you sure you're getting the best deal? Visit the Lupulin Exchange, where you can find every hop variety, every brand, and every vendor. Compare prices, reviews, shipping speeds, reliability, and more on over a million pounds shipping direct from every hop merchant and grower in the U.S. The Lupulin Exchange. One stop, all the hops. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. The District St. Louis September Shop Talk is on the 28th at Well Spent Brewing. The world-famous Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course begins September 29th. District Ontario's Iron Brewer Competition is September 29th in Toronto. 
District St. Paul, Minneapolis is having a happy hour October 4th at Indeed Brewing Company. All proceeds benefit the District Scholarship Fund. The 2023 Master Brewers Conference will be October 6th through the 8th in Seattle, Washington. District New England meets October 6th in Lyman. District St. Louis's annual fall meeting is October 12th. District Michigan's fall meeting will be at Founders Brewing in Grand Rapids, October 19th. District Rocky Mountain meets at Ska Brewing in Durango, October 21st. District Southern California meets November 4th at Tarantula Hill Brewing. District Great Plains, District St. Louis, and the Missouri Craft Brewers Guild are holding a joint meeting November 10th and 11th in Springfield. District Southeast meets November 10th and 11th in Jacksonville, Florida. It's time to save the date for the 2024 World Brewing Congress, August 17th through the 20th in Minneapolis. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Haven't joined Master Brewers? Now's the time. Just for listening to the Master Brewers podcast, become a member for $123 for the year. Head over to mbaa.com and use code BEER2023 when you join. back to the show. They ended up transferring you to another hospital um, yep. that had that trauma unit so that you could, you know, be treated for these potential internal burns. Did you did you have any sense that your life was in danger? Uh, at that point, no, because all the, the numbers were starting to stabilize. Um, uh, it was just that I was just actually I was more worried about my arm <laughs> if my arm was going to get fixed. Uh, so yeah, I was monitored uh, for about thirty six hours or so in this other in the second hospital, uh, and then they were like, "Yeah, all the numbers are fine. You're okay, and you could be dismissed." So I, I felt okay. I learned never to to tell your wife via text you're in the hospital. <laughs> uh, um, that, 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 I couldn't get in touch with her over the phone to let her know, so I texted her. Um, and she kind of freaked out a little bit, you know, I texted my parents, they were actually going to be going on a a vacation the next day out of the country and they kind of freaked out. And I was like, everything's fine. I'm okay. The doctors say I'm going to be okay. I just have to have surgery on my arm. That's all. Wow. So yeah, so you had to have surgery to, to reattach your, your bicep, I assume, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, I, they had three different doctors come in and one said, well, you know, there's two parts of your bicep. We, we don't do surgery for that. Second one was like, well, maybe. And the third one was like, well, it's up to you. We, we can or we can't. So he started asking me a bunch of questions. How old are you? What you do for a living? This and that. He said, well, what, what do you basically do? You know, you use your arms a lot. I'd recommend it. You don't have to, but I recommend it. So I had the surgery, uh, the reattached the bicep. I spent about 10 months in physical therapy. Um, to get it squared away as much as I can. I have a disability in that arm. They gave me a certain percentage disability. I still can't, you know, this was six, seven years ago, somewhere in that range. Um, I still can't raise my arms up above my head. I can't, I can, but not all the way. Um, I can't hold any weight of, over like my shoulders with it. Repetitive motion um, wears it out very quickly. Wow. 
I guess you probably weren't immediately involved in this process, but how did the brewery go about determining the cause and, and what was sort of the corrective action that was taken? So I, on the way to the hospital, I immediately called my, my immediate supervisor and then the owner of the company who are both close friends of mine um, and both my bosses. And we kind of went over everything. They shut the brewery down immediately. They cordoned it off. Uh, in this facility, I was the only brewer. So there, there was, it was just me. Nobody else would come in unless they have a couple facilities. So unless something else needed, they would send somebody over from the other facility. Um, so it was just me. So they cordoned it off. They blocked it off. Nobody was allowed in. Then I guess the owner of the company, who's a brewer too, uh, and the electrician came in and, and found the root of the cause. And then as far as corrective, um, they regrounded every piece of stainless inside that place. I bet you approach big stainless steel tanks a bit more cautiously than <laughs> prior to the accident. What, what do you do differently after surviving an accident like this? Um I, I pay more attention to uh, what I'm doing. I mean, obviously, there was I, I wasn't doing anything wrong here. It was just a freak, freak accident. Um, but but whenever I touch a tank, I, I'm very careful. I touch with the outside of my hand, as you know, a current will. If you're grabbing with the palm, it'll potentially close your palm. So I touch it with the outside of my hand. I let it just. I might lift if I'm using the right hand side of my body. I might just lift up the left leg so if a current is going to go through it just goes through one side of my body instead of across my heart and kidneys and brain and all that um stuff like that and i just electrical wires you know i just i make sure everything is is grounded i make sure all the wires are connected properly if it's not i don't i don't touch it and don't go near it um or call an electrician in or something Okay, Brian, uh, let's hear from the Master Brewer Safety Committee. Uh, What takeaways and advice does your team have for listeners? Yeah, so uh, one of the big things that the Safety Committee likes to recommend is that uh, you conduct training for all of your brewery staff. Um, You know, you can just do general awareness electrical safety training. Um, If you're going to have folks who are going to be working uh, in a cabinet, maybe to, you know, switch a breaker, to turn a pump on and off or something like that, you may want to have a little more in-depth um, training for them. But you also want to create uh, policies and procedures or SOPs that will help step them through the processes, do your risk assessments. Um, if you don't know how to do those, obviously you can reach out to the MBAA Safety Committee and uh, get uh, tips, and there's other resources out there. Um, training also should include that lockout-tagout training like we were talking about in the beginning that OSHA um, tends to, to cite uh, organizations on. Uh, so lockout, tagout training and the procedures for those. Um, if you don't have qualified electrical people on staff, find a local contractor who you can reach out to to use that can do uh, periodic preventative maintenance for you, can go through and do inspections, um, especially since you're working in wet environments. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we're inspecting those periodically so that we know that everything's in good shape. We're not creating any kind of shorts or other issues along the way. Um, something else that we're starting to see a lot mentioned through OSHA is called arc flash assessments and infrared studies. Um, those are things that engineers do for us to kind of look at the uh, health of the electrical systems. So we definitely recommend that you try to do those um, and have, again, that local resource come in and do that for you. And then, you know, the very last thing is um, find those resources. You can go to the uh, MBAA Safety Committee's page. You can see toolbox talks that will go through some electrical safety items. There's 
articles on the site as well. Uh, to give you more information, you can always email us a question and we can try to lead you to a resource. Uh, so we're there to help you out. Um, and then reach out to your community and see what other folks are there that can, can lend a hand to you as well. Great. And while we're talking about resources, um, you know, Hurricane Florence just put a lot of people underwater in the Carolinas and beyond. Do you have any advice for breweries that are recovering from or maybe preparing for flooding? Yeah. So if you've already in an affected area where there's a lot of uh, water, you definitely want to make sure that you have your uh, electrical system inspected. Uh, Don't go in and start turning things on. Um, you know, reach out if you don't have, again, if you don't have a qualified electrical person on staff, find a local resource, have someone go in and evaluate your damaged equipment, look and see if anything needs to be replaced or serviced, um, and definitely leave that to the professionals at that point, because as water intrusion happens, it makes the systems a lot more dangerous for us. Um, you know, and trying to be ahead of the game, uh, if we're, if we're calling for flooding in your area, um, you want to try and do as much as you can to keep water from coming into the brewery uh, in large amounts. Uh, I know sometimes that's easier said than done, um, but you want to do some utility preparation. You want to make sure that you've got uh, things in place. If you've got backup generators and all that uh, there for you, um, try to, like I said, block the water. Um, and then you want to make sure that uh, any um, significant equipment in your facility, you've powered it down. So that, um, you know, in the event that the flood happens, uh, it doesn't short that equipment out and do uh, more damage to it that would cost you more to recover in the end. So take all the precautions that you can. And again, I can't stress enough, you know, to find the local professionals because those guys uh, can really help you make some decisions ahead of the game and prepare you and make sure everything is safe so that you can stay up and, and making wonderful beer for us in the future. That's great. And I'll also link to in the show notes, we've got a great post on the um, Master Brewers uh, community site from Russell McCrimmon, uh, who's got some basic information about electrical equipment and flooding in general. It's really a great resource. So we'll post a link to that as well. This episode was brought to you by the Master Brewers Brewery Safety Committee, which provides tons of free safety resources under the Brewing Resources tab at mbaa.com. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Proximity Mall, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.